Did you know that the average person, you and me, thinks 10,000 separate thoughts every day? So this day, by the time the day's over, you and I will have processed 10K of thoughts, 10,000. So if you do the math a little bit, that means that 10,000 thoughts a day works out to 3.5 million thoughts a year. So you and I, the average person, processes 3.5 million separate thoughts every year. It's a lot of thoughts. Do the math, run the math out with that. If we do 3.5 million thoughts a year, in 50 years, I'm 52, in 50 years you'll process roughly, you can do the math, roughly 150 to 200 million thoughts in 50 years. So that means some of you have thought more than that. But process if you can, that today you will process and think 10,000 thoughts. You will think with your mind 10,000 thoughts. 10,000 thoughts will run through your mind by the time the day ends today. 10,000 thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts. Now suppose someone came to you today and before you left the service today, as you exited out, every single one of you received a $10,000 check of money. Suppose when you left here today, great day to be at Grace Community Church, by the way, huh? Suppose $10,000 check was given to you and said, hey, I'm just going to sign it. It's for cash. It's written in your name. Here it is. Here's $10,000 of cash for you. What might you do with that $10,000 of cash? Some of you would probably take the time, go home, and think what you would do because that's pretty valuable, $10,000. Some of you would run out and blow it immediately. Yet some of you would say, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. I better, better take serious consideration of what I should do with this $10,000 because this $10,000 could do this, could do that, could change this, could change that. Truth of the matter is, in an even more important way, you're given a $10,000, 10,000-thought 10, check every day. Every morning when you wake up, you're handed a check of 10,000 thoughts. How many of you process that and say, do I take that serious enough to think, what am I going to do with these 10,000 thoughts? Or am I just going to take them and just do whatever I want with them? The things you do with those thoughts will determine the person that you'll be one day. Let me try to explain for a second here. Every day that you wake up, you have an opportunity to, to think a truth or to think a lie. And every one of us is given 10,000 thoughts every day. So, for sake of illustration, you have a thought that runs through your mind. You have a choice to make. Will I believe the truth about that? Or will I believe a lie about that? Will I believe truth? Or will I believe lie? Some of them are pretty big thoughts. Will I believe the truth? Or will I be a lie about that? And so you have control over your thoughts. And so every day you make choices. Truth or lie, truth or lie, truth or lie. 10,000 different times you process a thought and you make a choice as what you'll do with these thoughts. So day after day, month after month, year after year, these thoughts begin to direct your life. And what you did with that thought determined what you did with your life. And so as you walk through life, you have an opportunity to believe truth or believe lie about that thing that comes to mind. So today, before the day's over, you will decide what you will believe. I believe this about me. I'm worthless. I believe this about me. I'm a redeemed follower of Christ. I believe that God can reconcile this relationship. I believe God can do this. God says he can. Oh, I'd never, never, never. I could never be. Don't you know my past? Don't you know my mother? Don't you know my father? Don't you know this? Don't you know that? Don't you know my family? Oh, I know your family. You can do this because of Jesus. And so every day, you are creating the you that you will be. So what are you thinking today? What are the thoughts that you believe about yourself? Those thoughts 
will completely determine the person that you will be with your life. There were a group of people that found themselves in a daily grind of trying to become what God wanted them to be. They were once in slavery. They were once held in Egypt. They were once had people that ruled over them, that mastered them. Now, God sets them free of Egypt and says, I'm going to send you to your promise. I'm going to send you to the place that I said from the foundation of the world that you would become. I'm going to allow you to be this person that I've marked out at the blueprints from the foundation of the world that you would become. And so they have a choice to make. As they leave Egypt, the Israelites, they walk out on this journey and God says, I have promised you this land. I have made this thing from the foundation of the world for you. Yet they have a choice every day to believe it, to believe God, or to complain to believe a lie that that could never happen. It's never happened before. I'm to this, I'm to that. And so the Israelites find them. They're out of Egypt on their way to the promise that God had from the foundation of the world for them. But would they reach it? The only way you'll reach the promise that God has planned out for you is if you believe It can happen. And you think it'll happen. And you take those thoughts and you put them into action. Grab your Bibles. We're going on a journey. And turn to Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. And as you're turning there, here are some thoughts. You need a Bible? Hold your hand up or ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Numbers chapter 13. In Psalm 23 or Proverbs 23 and verse 7, it says this. For as he calculates in his soul, so is he. The King James says it this way. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Henry Ford had a great quote on thinking that went like this. He said, thinking is the hardest work in the world. Which is probably why so few people engage in it. Every decision we make is birthed from what we think about us and what we think about our God. You become what you think you are. Let me just say it this way. People that believe the best see the best. People that believe the best see the best. People that take this thought and believe it See better than those who don't believe it. And what you believe is what you see. And it's hard work to get to becoming that person. Stand with me and we're going to read Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read beginning verses 16 to 20. Numbers chapter 16 and verse 20. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Read. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hashia, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring some of the fruit of the land. It was the season of the first ripe grapes. You may have a seat. Moses goes to his people. And he asked them, because God had sent them, to go and explore the land. Look at all the question marks again in verses 16 to 20. What kind of land? What kind of towns? Are they walled or unwalled? Well, how's the soil? Can we garden there? How are the trees? Can we build? And so he he tells them to go and explore this land. Now, 12 men were going to explore this land. Now, listen to me. This is the land that God had promised. This is what God said would be given to them. So either they believe that truth or they don't believe that truth. And people who believe 
the best, see the best. So one man from all the 12 tribes went on a recon mission to check out the promised land. This land that God had blueprinted from the foundation of the world that was supposed to be given to the Israelites. So they're going, 12 men, going to do recon mission on this land and to bring back a report. Now think about these 12 men for a second. They're going to the same place, same experience. They'll have the same food. They have the same income. Everything is the same about them. But they must tell their minds this truth. Look at chapter 13. Look at verses 1 and 2. Before they left, they were all given this information. Look at chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am what? Giving. Now, look at that again. Before they even left, God says, send these men, one from all 12 tribes, to the land I am what? Giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. In other words, before they even left, Moses said to these 12, by the way, this is the land that God's giving to us. So they had a decision to make before they left. Would they believe that that's their land? Would they believe that, hey, there's going to be a day that I'm living there? Or would the lies begin to serve? It's too hard. It's too difficult. The people are too big. We've never done that before. I'm too old. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too. So before they left, same information, same recon mission, same God, 12 men. And what would they believe about this mission? Pause and consider for a second if this would have been you. God tells you that it's a done deal. I mean, think about this. This group should have been giddy with excitement. I mean, it's like some of you have built a home. Some of you started a business. Some of you have left other states to go to the place where you're supposed to go to. Some of you met someone and, and they became your bride and you moved and you couldn't wait to the wedding day. Now, this is very similar. God says, this is who you're going to become This is where you're going to go, even though right now it looks like you're locked up, even though right now you're away from mom and dad, even though white way you're paying for your consequences. There will come a day, though, that it's going to be a lot better than it is. You would be giddy with excitement. I mean, this is, hey, go take some pictures. You would think that you would leave and you would bring back this information and your camera would be loaded and you would send Rusty Edwards along with you to take pictures. Hey, take a look at this. You would think that you would give JPEG after JPEG of picture and information on this recon mission. Because not only you want to show them pictures, you could say, hey, this is where we're going. And why? Because God said it would happen. So you either choose to believe that about you or you don't believe that about you. What often gets lost in that account is that God promised it to them. I often tell people this. You're thinking about praying about something. If God has given you, placed this desire in your heart and it comes from his throne and you believe after prayer and and counsel that that this is what God wants you to do, then you should go ahead and thank God in advance for it. Pray in advance. God, I thank you in advance that my child's gonna run back home to you. God, I thank you in advance that I'm gonna be debt free. God, I thank you in advance that, that somehow you're gonna bring an answer so that reconciliation can take place. God, I thank you in advance. And then in this case, not only did they know in advance, God promised it in advance to them. And how much has he promised in advance to you that, you know what, oh, I don't know, God, that seems like a hard one. You know, you've only been around forever. You probably never faced that one before. You probably couldn't do that. People who believe the best see the best. Yet, what I find interesting about this group is that even though God promises, there's never once, you would think, that there'd be some gratitude amongst this group. Never once in this account have I, do I look and say where they pause and said, thank you, God. This is a privilege to go into this land and take a look. Thank you, God, that, that you're doing that for us. Gratitude doesn't surface from this account at all. 
often it doesn't for us, too. We just think, oh, I hope God does that. And God has already blueprinted something out. We need to wake up each day and say, God, thank you that you've created me to do good works. God, thank you in advance that this is the person I'm becoming. And there isn't one time in this account where gratitude surfaces from these people. By the way, gratitude doesn't change the scenery of getting there. It merely washes clean the glass you look through so you can see clearly the colors. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But what it does, it helps you to know that God promised it. I'm going to get through it, and I'm going to thank him for that. So he tells them to see with their eyes, and he asks these questions. Make sure you know what kind of wood, what kind of walls. Make sure you know what kind of soil there is. In other words, it won't be easy and it will be challenging, but I'll be with you. You see, the you you were made to become will demand a lot from you. And so he wants to get an honest report so he can bring it back. And the report is, hey, there's some good soil here. Hey, hey, even though there's, there's these big people here, we'll be able to do this. And so he wants an honest report, but he doesn't want them coming back and saying, we can't do this because he already promised it to them. You see, there comes a point in our journey where we started out in our first message with the blueprints and we looked at and we saw the picture of the finished building. There comes a point in this journey along this path. Last week we looked at this. Sometimes we get halfway there and we bail out. There comes a point where it just takes courage and faith to get there. That's how the Christian walk is designed. At some point, you've got to step out in faith and trust him. You see, you can choose courage to become who you're supposed to become, or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both. There's a whole new world out there waiting for many of you. And by the way, the only way you'll become who Christ wants you to become is by stepping out in courage. But you know what we like to do? Here's what we'd like to do. We like to get into the box of comfort. And you know why? Because we're creatures of habit. We like it in here. We like this box. It's like, this is where I know the coffee's really good here in the morning. This is where, this is where I know everyone's name. It's like, I'm not stretched, and this is where my family is at. And this is where, 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 where I, I'm, I know all there is to know. I don't even have to think anymore. Thought. This is where I can keep pushing buttons that I'm familiar with. And so what happens is we either stay in the box of comfort or we step out of the box of courage. You know what happens in this box? Every once in a while, if you stay here long enough, you know what? Birds fly together. And you get in this box. And you find these people who are just like you. And you know what? They'll never let you become. It's like, it might even be your mother. It might be your father. It might be a friend. It might be a husband. It might be a wife. It might be a brother or sister. It might be someone, and it's like, boy, we know this box. We know each other. Oh, how you doing today? Good to see you. And we're comfortable. It's like, hey, it's Jim and Maya. Man, this is a piece of cake. We could conquer, the, we could conquer this world, couldn't yeah. we? This would be easy. <laughs> but what happens is the minute you try to get out of this box, they won't, the minute you try to get out, get out of this box, they won't let you out. I, I'm, 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 wait a minute. I want out of here. You have these people who are pulling at you. You know what you need to do with these people? It's just get rid of them. <laughs> and step outside the box. Now here's what's cool about it. Out here it's a little scary, isn't it? Oh, man, there's space to run. There's some new territory out. Wow, that smells good. A lot better than he did. You can get outside of, of this box. You either choose comfort or you choose courage. And I tell you what happens. You know who chooses comfort? Those that believe lies. It's too difficult. I'm too old. Costs too much money. Uh, he's never done that before. You think he's going to do it now? Or you believe some truths. God can make it happen. Those that believe the best see the best. And those who don't believe the best end up in the box of comfort. You see, we should do the same with our lives. Take inventory. Like the recon mission that was here. Go explore the land. 
Take a look at it. We should do recon mission of our lives daily. We should look at adversity we will face to see that, that it's possible and that our marriage can flourish if we believe God wants that. Now, let me tell you, don't you think that God wants your marriage to flourish? Oh, no, God, it's like you, you never had a marriage like this. You never dealt with this one before, God. You don't know him. Oh, you know, God's been around a long time. And so the thoughts that you think are the person that you are becoming. And so we need to do inventory. In order to see that dream realized, we need to believe it can happen. We need to step out in courage. In order to witness to a child that's run far from Jesus and see him coming back, we need to believe that God wants that. And we need to take steps of faith to help that come true. In order to see a church finally become a thriving community, we need to step out of the box and walk in courage and put up with criticism and change that comes. In order to see girls rescued from human sex slavery, someone's got to get out of the box. Someone's got to stand up. In order to see children adopted and rescued and orphans cared for, someone's got to get out of the box of comfort and step out in courage. But remember... It begins with the lenses that you see life with. And these lenses are colored by the thoughts you process daily. They are. They just are. Twelve people looking at the same land with two eyes, with 20-20 vision, came back with different reports. How is that possible? Same God, same place, human beings. How is it possible that two people out of 12 people saw it differently than 10 other people saw it. It's because I'll guarantee you this, the 10,000 thoughts that those two people thought every day were truth. Truth after truth, after truth, after truth. Every once in a while, it was a real humdinger, but I'm believing you for this one, God. So you have a choice to make today. What are you believing about yourself and your God? I can guarantee you this. If we were to break down the 10,000 thoughts of someone who says, I'm too old, I'm too, I'm too, their thoughts would be littered with lies. Don't you see how valuable this is? So over a lifetime, 50 years, 150 to 200 million thoughts you process. That's the difference between someone who walks in courage and someone who walks in comfort. See, God's already blueprinted our lives. We saw that in message one. I gave you the picture of what it was. Either you believe that or you don't believe that. And the choices you make today will determine whether or not you believe truth or you believe a lie. So God says you need to see this with your own eyes. By the way, any thought that begins with, I'm too old. I'm too whatever. I'm too set in my ways. I'm too long gone. I'm too. Any, any phrase that begins with I'm too generally will end up in comfort of the box and will end up with you not believing it can take place. The I'm too needs to meet the will to. And when the will to sees the I'm too, the will to will see through what he's supposed to become. Look at verse 20 again of chapter 13. I find this interesting. I didn't pick this up in many of my other readings of this book. Chapter 13 and verse 20 says this. How is the soil, is it fertile or poor, are there trees in it or not? And then he says this. Do your what? Best. To what? Bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. You ever wonder why he puts a concerted effort on that? He didn't say, do your best to look at the walls. He didn't say, do your best to look at the soil. He didn't say, do your best to look at the people. He didn't say, do your best. But he says, do your best to bring back a sample. Why? Because isn't Christianity and the churches just loaded with doubting Thomases? 
I mean, think about it. Didn't Thomas say, Lord, the only way I'm going to believe is if I can stick my finger through the palm of your hand and know that you were on the cross. God goes the extra mile for those doubting Israelites who've been wandering in the desert and who had forgotten that they had a Red Sea crossing. By the way, have you ever considered how long a train of people that must have been? If you can, picture yourself going down to US 6, where 6 and 15 in New Paris cross, lining up people in both lanes from 6, jumping on 33 and taking 6 to 33 the whole way to Fort Wayne. How many people have ever traveled on that, that, that train to Fort Wayne? Most of us in this room. Now picture, if you can, both lanes wide, traffic coming the other way, taking up both sides. The Israelites, literally, if we were to see the number of people, scholars tell us that it would literally be lining them up from New Paris and going to Fort Wayne two lanes wide the whole way through from back to end. Now imagine, that same large group of people crossed the Red Sea. It's like, don't you remember what God did back there? And you're telling me that this can't happen? Isn't it interesting that we're the same way? We've been praying, oh, please, God, please, God, please, God, take care of this need. Please, God, I, I lost my job. Please, God, I need this. Please, God, I need a car. Please, God, heal me. Please, God, heal my child. Please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please. And how often we move down the road and we forgot what he did, what he did, what he did, and we get down the road. And we're like, oh, I don't know if God can do that. We need to take a concerted effort and look back. Don't you remember? Here's the JPEG. And so what he's telling them, bring back so that the people can see. Because many still doubt that God will do what he said he would do. You see, your mind is a predictor of your future. Now, let me be careful here because I'm not saying that, hey, if you think it, that it will happen. You know, I'm not a positive thinker that everything positive. Listen, it's going to take hard work. I'm just saying this. If God has already charted it out from the beginning... Let me tell you, you will face adversity. It will be difficult, but you must step out in faith and take a courageous step. And when you do, you will see God reach down and care and bring you through it. Guaranteed. He promises this to the Israelites. So look at verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob to toward Lebo Hamath. Then they went up through the Negev. And came to Hebron, where Ahiman and Shezai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had built, been built seven years before Zon in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eskul, they cut off the branch, bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, they return from exploring the land. So they get the grapes. And there must have been so many of them that they had to put them on a pole, Joshua and Caleb, and bring them back to the people. They should have been giddy with excitement. These 12 guys should have walked and said, that's where I'm putting my house. Uh -uh. I would throw some stakes in the ground. Mountain view, stream, deer, dead deer, I'm here. They should have been giddy with excitement. They should have been thinking, oh man, this is where we're... It's like someone building a house. Like you, you drive by your land. It's like, it's going to go right there. And it's like the sun's going to hit the back porch here. And in the evenings, we're going to be here. I mean, all of us, it's like, we know it. It's like, and we go there and we watch the building process and we're excited. I mean, have you had someone that's went through the building process and they open up this album of photos and it's like, I don't want to look through all those photos. You know what I'm talking about. It's like just... Picture after picture of studded walls. Like, hey, here's studded walls. Hey, look, they wired the house. Take a look at that. It's just beautiful. Let me turn the pages quicker. We should be giddy with excitement, but they weren't. See, your mind is a predictor of the future. It was a chance for them to build their faith and to fill their minds with faith thoughts on this 40-day recon mission. Many of you are right there where the 12 men were. And there's a battle raging in your mind as to what you should believe about your future, about your kids' future, about your marriage future, about your occupation, and about your future bride or future spouse. Many of you are right there. I mean, God's promised to be faithful, hasn't he? 
And so there you are. And so people who believe the best see the best, and you have a choice to make. Now, it's going to be hard and difficult. It's not going to be a cakewalk, but you have to believe it before you'll ever step out. And so God has laid it out for these people, and they're, they're, they're actually seeing the land that, that is there for them. By the way, the thoughts that you are thinking right now, even as I give this message about your issue, will build faith or will cause you to crawl back into your box. Oh, Pastor Jim, you know, I, I'm unhealthy and I got this, Pastor Jim, and I got this problem with me. And, oh, it's, you don't know what it's like, Pastor Jim. Oh, and my husband and my wife and my kids. It's like, I tried before, And it it just never happened. And so I'm sure God would never want me to live to my redeemed potential. He didn't create me. He might have created you, but not me. And I kind of like it here. It's like we all get together and we have a pity party together. And it's like it's safe in here. What we need to do is step outside of the box. Now, even worse yet for some of you is this. Some of you have been believers your whole lives. Some of you have been believers 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, you're you're not even in the box. You know where you are? You're back in the crib. (laughs) This is a picture of your life. I love Jesus. (laughs) Oh, I've been a Christian for 27 years. First God. It's a picture, like you're in the playpen. You should be mature and you'll be taking steps of faith, but you like it here. They feed you, they give you toys, and you can watch them go around. (laughs) And the God of the universe that sent his son to the cross to die and give you such a rich salvation, shed his blood so that you could walk courageously, looks down at this, and it disturbs him. Can I ask you a question? Where have you been hanging out? In the playpen? In the box of comfort? Or have you said, enough of that? Enough of this. I'm believing this is the year that what God promised from the beginning is going to happen. You see, you have a choice to make. Be like the 10 who believe lies. This is as good as it's going to be. Or be like the two that said, hey, my God can do this and I believe it. Think about your situation. Let me ask you this question here. What are you thinking these days? If we were to open up the cranial part of your your mind, what are you thinking? What's running through your mind? What are you thinking? What kind of thoughts? You might have 5,000 left today. What are they going to be? What are you thinking? You might even have a real doozer ready. It's like, this is a, boy, doozer, here here it comes. I I choose to believe. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? What are you going to do with the rest of your month? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to believe? Whatever you choose to believe is what you see. And whatever you see is where you're headed. You see, many of you are right here where these 12 men are. Can I speak to you like Caleb did many years ago when he said, certainly we can do this? I picture these men walking around and collecting information and either saying, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. That's too difficult. But I picture two men named Joshua and Caleb coming and saying, boy, I can't wait to see how you work that one out, guy. Woohoo! That is going to be one for the records. As they walked and they looked at the hillside, look how big those people are. There's nine foot giants. 
Look how big those people are. Look how big those are. Look at that terrain. How will we ever climb that? Oh, I can't wait to stand back to see the day how God works that. It's going to be one for the records. It might even make the Jerusalem Film Festival. Or is it it's too difficult? Whatever you're thinking right now is what you're believing. And whatever you're believing is what you're seeing. Whatever you're seeing is where you're headed. Many of you are thinking your way into bankruptcy. Many of you are thinking your way into defeatism. Many of you are thinking your way into divorce. Many of you are thinking your way into nervous breakdown. Many of you are thinking your way into depression. Many of you are thinking your way, I can't, I can't, I can't. Listen, we need to look and think that there's a God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Your mind has become a picture frame of defeat. Take a look at this passage again. Look at chapter 13 and look at verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who lived are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amusites, the Gigabites. They're, they're, they're there. They're big people. Then verse 30 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can what? Certainly do it. And why? Why, 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 did, why did Caleb b- believe that? Well, look back at chapter 11. Hold your finger there and look back at chapter 11. The Israelites were complaining prior to this. Like, they were saying, how come we got to eat this manna? It's like, every day we got manna. Can we have some meat? We want to go back to Egypt. We want fish. We want meat. It's like, oh, we want to go back in slavery so that we can be in slavery. At least we'll have meat. And so God provides them quail. By the way, the passage tells us that the wind blew in quail, and it, was, it says that it was two cubics deep, which is three foot deep. And so each day when they went out there, there was three feet of quail stacked up. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to kill quail or hunt quail. It's one of the fastest birds there is besides grouse. I mean, as soon as you walk into the woods, they're gone. And somehow God blew them in, piled them up. They forgot about that somehow. And so God said, well, well, Even though I'm going to do that, why do they believe that? And so then it says this in chapter 11 in verse, look at verse 23. So so Moses is asking, can you give us something? God said, yes, I'll bring quail. Yes, I'll bring meat. And his response to that was this in verse 23. The Lord answered Moses in chapter 11, verse 23. Is the Lord's arm to what? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Do you know why Caleb and Joshua believed in the other 10? Because they knew that God's arm wasn't too short to reach down and help them. Every time I read that passage, I think about when my kids were younger, Josh and Hannah were younger, they would watch Inspector Gadget. Remember, go, 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 Gadget. And he had those arms that would go, and I get this picture. And and, and so literally, God is saying to Moses, do you think my arm is too short that I can't help? God's arm has never been fully extended to anyone completely. He never runs out and he never will. He can reach you in the deepest and darkest pot hole that you'll ever find yourself in. And he can reach down because his arm is never too short. Caleb and Joshua believed that. And so as they saw the land, it's like, oh man, God, you're really going to have to reach into that one. Be very honest with yourself today. What are you thinking these days? I'm to this, I'm to that. Let me tell you what happens to that. You collect creatures of the same bird when you think like that. Every once in a while, someone wants to get out of the box, though. You know what they'll do? They'll nudge you a little bit, push you a little bit. And you know what happens eventually? They'll leave you. And before you know it, you're the only one in the box. Courage flows from a mind set on God. 
Look at chapters, look now look at chapter 13 again. In verse 27, go back and look at 27, it says, Then Moses gave this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. You know why they needed to see the fruit? So that some of them could see how good it was. They just couldn't believe it. They needed to see it. This is where your marriage could be, but it'll never happen. You know why? God's saying this is where it could be, but it'll never happen because you don't believe it. This is where reconciliation could take place, but not for all of you because you don't think it can happen. This is what adoption looks like, but you will never see it again happen in your day because you don't think it can happen. This is what a college degree looks like, but there's no way that could ever happen. We've never seen that in our family. This is what that could look like, God's saying. This is where you're going. This is what, this is what, this is what, this is what. Where the only way you'll see that this is what is what you believe and think to be true. Some of you haven't even given God a chance to even stretch his arm out to assist you. You've already given up. It's like you're back in the playpen. You like it back there. Let's make this year different. Some of you have had friends speak into your life. You've had your wives. They've been praying for you for years. And there you are, same place you've always been. You don't even listen to people anymore. In fact, you get mad at them. And you've created this person of yourself that's not a redeemed version of what Christ intended you to be. It's like it's far short of the redemptive potential. And some of you are just satisfied. You might as well just go home and sit in the playpen for the rest of your life. And let God be disturbed. Or you can jump out and say, this is the year. This is the year that I'm taking these thoughts. And I'm going to believe truth over lies. Caleb and Joshua chose to do that. Let me just say it this way. Now listen carefully to this phrase because it really captures what I've been trying to say. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. That's why Romans 12, 2 says this, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so you may be able to know and test and see what is God's perfect will. It's the Greek word metamorphosis, metamorphi, you know, where a, 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 a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. It says, be transformed, be metamorphosized by that. It's take your mind and transform it. Turn it from a caterpillar to, a, to a, a butterfly that can fly. Some of us just stay in the cocoon. Most of us spend our times in the playpen. And God's saying, get out of the playpen and learn to soar like the eagle. Why should we do that, renew our minds? Because we need to see what is God's perfect will. We need to see what he's already got in store for us. We need to see it. And you can't see it unless you're daily renewing your mind with truth, 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 truth. If you fill it with lies, you'll never see it. Caleb said, certainly we can take this. Now, look back again at verse 30. I love that in verse 30 it says, then Caleb silenced the people. What was he silencing the people from? He was silencing from that poor report that the other 10 gave that was, oh, we can't do it. I'll go back to Egypt. I want leeks. You want onions? Yeah, take a few cucumbers. Tie me up. That's what I want. And so they were whining, cucumbers, cucumbers. I just, it's like Caleb silenced the people and said, hey, listen, here are the grapes. Here's the promise. I'm taking the land. And by the way, if you're not gone, I'm taking your property too. So, what are you thinking, Grace? You will never seriously step out and become the person you were meant to be unless you believe it first. Grace College down in Winona Lake is uh, my alma mater, and that's where my kids go and, and but the basketball coach there is really great man of guys. His name is Jim Kessler. He's been coaching for about 30 years. And two years ago, it's an NAIA school. It's a small school. has a good basketball program. Two years ago, 
they had an opportunity to play Indiana University. Now, IU is Division I. Grace College is NAIA. It's, you know, steps below. But both are basketball. The athletic director at Grace College got a chance for Grace College to play against IU in a basketball game. Now, if you're a basketball player, we got some West Noble Mosers over there that play basketball. You have a chance in some skimmer horns, too. You have a chance in other you play basketball in Fairfield and Goshen and Concord and all across and, 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 and Lakeland. But imagine going to college in AI school and you got a chance to play IU. Now, if you're any kind of competitor, and you normally are if you're playing athletics, this is your chance to say, hey, you didn't see me, but I can play hoops. Now, maybe you don't think that, but I would. This is my chance. And so as they're traveling down to, to IU to go to this basketball game, preseason game, on the way there, you know, they're listening to music, they're thinking about it, and it's like they're pulling into the, 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 the place where IU plays and the field house there, and, and Coach K wanted to motivate his team to believe that basically, you know, they meant to be there, that they're basketball players. And, and so, you know, I'm sure he went through, hey, what are we doing today? We're playing basketball. They're a basketball team, we're a basketball. This is a basketball, this is a hoop, same size fans. Hey, put the ball in the hoop, play defense, win game. But before he, they got off the bus, the story is told that Coach K turned to his team, AIA players, and he said this to them. I'm sure he said a lot of other things. But he looked at his team who were realizing they're playing Division I school. And he said these words that I want to speak to you today. He said these words to Grace College and AIA against a Division I school. He wanted to make sure that they believed that they were thinking that they could do it. And he said this. If you don't think you can win this game, then don't get off the bus. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. I would just jump out of my seat. What he was saying is, if you can't see it, then you probably didn't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you can't see it. And if you don't think you belong here, then sit on the bus. The rest of us are playing basketball. Do you think God's saying that to us today? If you don't believe it, then don't get off the bus. And by the way, 10 of those dudes didn't get off the bus. And they never saw the promised land. But let me tell you something. Two of them did. And their names were Joshua. It's a great name. You ought to name your son that. It's a great name. (laughs) And Caleb. And you know why? Because they thought in their minds that God's arm was not too short to deliver them. What are you believing? What are you thinking today? Change your thoughts and you will change your world. And you know how? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, A heart steadfast on God, focused on God, will stay at perfect peace. Literally, it says, Those who focus on God, a heart set on God, a mind set on God, will be stayed in perfect peace. It's a, let me, this is a beautiful phrase because... It's translated perfect peace. In other words, if you keep looking at God and you don't look at the adversity, somehow it's going to happen because he promised it. And it says that you'll be in perfect peace even though it feels like everything is falling apart. Even though it feels like, man, this is difficult. Even though it feels like there aren't finances. Even though she's not talking to me. Even though he's not. If you focus on God in the midst of that turmoil, your heart will be at perfect peace. I love that it's a Hebrew idiom, by the way, and it's worth giving you this little Hebrew lesson. If you were to look at that Hebrew phrase, it would actually say, shalom, shalom. It shouldn't say perfect peace. A literal translation would be peace, peace. It's called an idiom of duplicity. It's, it's, It's the hardest way to say, if you focus on God, your heart will be peace, peace. See, God promises that to those that believe. Believe. Often people tell me that I believe God for too much. You know why I do? (laughs) Because his arm, go-go gadget, isn't too short to help me. 
You see, it starts here. Some of you need to get out of the boxes that you placed yourself in. Your world is never falling apart with Jesus. It's falling into place with Jesus. What are you thinking, Grace? Your foes may be many. It might seem impossible. But it begins right here. What are you thinking, Grace? What are you thinking? Oh, God, please help us today. This is radical transformation for some of us. This is like... We need to bring Roto-Rooter into our minds. Some of us have went years and years and years and years believing lies about us. Some of us have almost given up. God, I pray that we would be like Joshua and Caleb. And that when you said it's a done deal, that we would believe it. We'd get out of our boxes of comfort and out of our playpens. And, and that we would take our thoughts captive daily. Replace them with truths of your word. And that God, that this would be the year where our wives would see the husband that she's been longing for and Husbands will see the wives that he's been longing for and where we would no longer settle. But we would believe that somehow, God, the best is still ahead of us. God, I can't do it, but I wish I could wave a magic wand over the minds of my people today and just flush out negative lies. I pray, Jesus, that today would be the start of something new and fresh. That we would leave this place thinking, I just received a check of 10,000 thoughts. Doggone it, I'm using it to believe truth. God, our foes are many and adversity is on the way, but you are always there. Change us, God, please. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.